Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello, and welcome to this EM360 podcast. I'm Richard Steenan, Chief Research Analyst at IT Harvest. I write books on IT security, and I work with IT security technology providers on their go-to-market, and I'm a trusted advisor to CISOs and their teams. IT Harvest is an industry analyst firm that covers over 3,400 vendors in the cybersecurity industry. Today, I'm joined by Darren Williams, who's CEO and founder of Blackfog, and the subject of our conversation is DLP is dead, long live data exfiltration. Welcome, Darren, and you better explain what we mean by DLP is dead. Great. Thanks very much for that, Richard. Uh, happy to be on the show. Yeah, so I think um, one of the things we talk a lot about in this industry, and we've been recording statistics in uh, ransomware for four years now, is that there's a big focus in terms of ransomware away from encryption into data exfiltration. And traditionally, businesses have really focused a lot on using DLP-type technologies to stop data exfiltration. The problem that we see with the DLP is it's very, very difficult to implement these solutions because they're effectively net, uh, edge-of-the-network-based solutions, much like a firewall. Uh, our approach is a little bit different. The way we look at the problem from Blackbox Blackfog's perspective is that the action is actually happening on the endpoint. So that's where we need to be playing. Much like EDR is actually playing on the endpoint, we do the same thing. So we sort of looked at the problem in a different way and we focus all the, our anti-data exfiltration technology on that endpoint. So you don't have the complexities of running these really expensive pieces of hardware and software on the edge of the network. And let's face it, everybody's not really working in businesses anymore anyway. They're working on the road. They're road warriors. are working in cafes. And of post-COVID, more and more people are not in the office. So it's like a miniaturization of DLP effectively onto the endpoint itself. So with that, we get a lot of bonuses from that type of uh, technology. So I hope that it helps explain what I'm thinking and how it works. That really helps because there, there is this tendency because we have distributed computing, we need distributing distributed controls. Um, what are the things that you even look for to differentiate between the normal usage of an endpoint because people are transferring files and uploading the data you know, to the cloud every single day on every device? And what, yep. what do you look for that would indicate that, oh, this is an exfiltration going on? Right. So uh, so that was part of the technology that took us, you know, four years to develop. But effectively, we so if you think about what DLP does, DLP is a great idea and, and theory in the sense that what it does is it takes the packets leaving the network. It does introspection on those packets and it basically decodes it all, has a look inside the data and sees what you're doing with it. The trouble, of course, with that type of approach is, first of all, it breaches your own security protocols and end-to-end uh, end -end encryption is breached as a result of that because you have to decode the whole thing like a man-in-the-middle type of attack. So what we thought was we need to do a lightweight type of analysis on the data packets themselves to work out what the intent is. So using a series of behavioral techniques, we're able to determine when things are good and bad. For example, um, if you think about what people are generally doing, most packets are probably uh, pretty 
pretty safe. But if you have a look at where it's going and the destination and you're doing a lot of checks on where the data's flowing, you can usually work out whether things are good or bad. Now, when you combine that with other factors like looking at the actual process itself, is that process a valid process to be sending data over the network? Is it a um, basically is it being uh, in process injected, all these sorts of things. So we have like 28 different layers that we're looking at at any one time. And, you know, basically the AI is able to, to learn what are good and what is bad data effectively using that technique without actually decrypting the packet. The intent itself is really enough to determine good or bad. And that's sort of what we do. You may get through one or two layers as a bad guy, but you certainly won't get through the whole 28 of them. And, you know, one of the issues I've seen over the years with DLP solutions is that everybody's afraid to actually block things from happening, right? Because that just generates problems for the support people. Um, well, exactly. It's very labor intensive. I would totally yeah. agree. And in fact, I'm yet be a successful DLP implementation because of that, right? It's a it's a huge lift for any IT department, I think, because you imagine if you consider, you know, uh, our zero trust ideals, which everybody's really pushing these days, where you trust nothing to start with, and then you gradually add back in access to the individuals that need it. Well, it, the theory is fantastic, but the problem is that every single person is doing something different. If you come into the office in the day and think, you know, I need a PDF reader for this so I can edit this document, then you have to go to the IT department and they have to go check the application. You just want to get your work done. You don't want to be burdened by all these blocks. It's constant blocks. And then when you layer on the fact that people are creating huge volumes of data from a company perspective every single moment of the day, the larger the org, the more documents created, then what are you going to do? You're going to tag every single document? It, it's really not practical. And that's why we don't see very many successful implementations. So this whole concept of um, you know, looking inside the data is not really practical. So what we do is just look at the intent analysis, and that usually provides no work lift from the IT department because it's more automated and we learn constantly when the solution's installed. So give us feel the types of controls that can be deployed. So there are lots of different ways that you can control the exfiltration. Um, so what are some of the things that we're doing? Uh, first and foremost, I guess, geolocation, right? So what we can do is we can look at where is the data going? What we typically see from our research is that now, at least in 2023, this huge significance of data exfiltrating to China. If you're operating in the United States and you're seeing data flowing to China, probably not a good thing unless you're actually working with a Chinese company. And so you want to really make sure that you're carefully controlling who the data is going to. It shouldn't be going to random companies in China. That means you've got a problem. Uh, or Russia. Although what we are seeing there with the Russian side is it's definitely decreasing um, amount of data exfiltrating to Russia. That's partly due to some of the sanctions that have been put on by the US government and you know the world generally in, in terms of Russia. So that's why we're seeing an increase in China. So geolocation is one of the important things that we can be doing. We're looking for things like... Um, is the data flowing to a recently uh, created domain? Another red flag. Obviously, if a domain has been created within the last 30 days, 
probably up to no good, right? Most domains that you send to have been up for years. So these are all these factors that you just keep layering and layering and layering. And this this is when we can determine once it gets through all those layers, whether it's good or bad. And then you've got a volume of data too. I mean, if you've got um, like a recent example at Coca-Cola, for instance, if you've got some employees that you've just told you're going to let go and all of a sudden there's a huge change in their baseline activity whereby they're actually starting to, to collect data and save it to local drives and stuff, probably not really great, and then trying to put it onto USB sticks, etc. that's obviously a red flag. So, you know, we can, we can model what normal is and what abnormal is and then basically layer from there. Got it. And your control point is at the end point, so you can stop it right there. Exactly right. And that's the other really important point, because let's face it, you don't have the luxury of going into a company with all the, the checks and balances that are normally put in inside an internal network. They don't exist much anymore. That's why the, the action is actually on the endpoint. And let's face it, all of the bad guys, where do they really focus on? They focus on the endpoint too, because they want you to do, you know, they this whole uh, spear phishing and special social engineering and targeting is what they're all about. If they can get you to click a link to download that, you know, 100 bytes of uh, payload, that's all they need. And then they can just sit on that device for months without doing anything. One day they go, boom, let's go and pull down the entire pa uh, entire payload and then we'll activate the ransomware on the endpoint. And that's typically what we see happening. Huge lag time between an initial um, payload to the full full attack itself. Right. And so, I mean, what I love about what you're talking about is you kind of cut the legs out from underneath the attackers um, because, you know, there's plenty of defenses against the encryption activity that happens. But even if that happens, um, most organizations should be in a position if they listen to my preaching, they should be in a position to recover their data. You know, they have good disaster recovery. Um, but the hard part is, what do you do about the stolen data that they're going to release to the world and still, you know, take an extortion payment to not do it? So Totally agree. Yeah. Extortion is, is the key, right? If they've got no data, they've got nothing on you, right? And the, there's multiple points of extortion happening now where where they're really focused on, okay, we'll attack the company first, we'll get all their intellectual property, uh, we'll steal all the customer data, and if we can't get a ransom from the actual company, let's go after the individuals themselves, and then we've got all these other extra ways of making money. So it's really a money-making exercise. I mean, if you really distill this down, really, they're all trying to make money. Some of them fame as well. Um, we see a lot of that. So, you know, every and they are also working for multiple um, bad guys at the same time, multiple gangs. So it's really fascinating. And, and that's why it's all about data extraction. Ultimately, they haven't got data. They haven't got anything. So of course, the number one objection that I can imagine your customers raising is, oh, we don't want another endpoint um, client running on all of our laptops, etc. Um, we already have Windows Defender and CrowdStrike and, you know, a dozen other things. Yeah, how's that work? How do you, you convince them? <laughs> yeah, how's that working for you? 
Yeah, exactly. Well, so that that's the problem, right? It's just it's like saying I've got a door on my house with a nice lock. I'm going to stop there and have and and that's the limit of my security. Of course, you don't do that. You have multiple layers. You have lots of different approaches to attack different parts of the problem. Is there's a fallacy out there? I think that everyone seems to think that the bad guys are really dumb. Um, and and they have access to the exact same technologies we do with artificial intelligence and you know machine learning and all that sort of stuff. They're training against these systems all the time, and that's why they're so effective. It's no coincidence, and I can tell you now that the statistics that we are about to release in May will blow your mind. They're an all-time record. In the four years we've been collecting data, we're about to see a whole new breakthrough level of ransomware growth. So wow. clearly it's working. So what does that tell me? It tells me that whatever's out there right now really isn't working to stop the bad guys. The, the arms race continues. So we have to do something more. Yes, there is. there are people with lots of agents out there but you really don't need a stack of them. You just need to cover strategies. I would, rather than focusing on all of the tools you have, let's focus on strategy. What am I doing to stop the, what am I doing on a defensive basis? Have I got a good EDR solution? Yeah, okay, I'm really comfortable with that. Fantastic. Okay, next, what about, let's look at what are you doing from a data exfiltration perspective? Oh, nothing. Okay. So you probably need to really add something on there. Do I have a great firewall? Well, pretty much everyone does. Do I have an AV solution? Well, yes, um, I'm probably Microsoft Defender, great tool. Let's use that. So, you know, there are lots of pieces to this puzzle. It's not one solution can't do everything. You need to cover your strategies. You need defensive, you need um, prote preventative. And, you know, that's what we always uh, talk. And we will run alongside anything, obviously, as well. But multiple solutions is the preferred way to stay ahead. Cool. And then there's a dashboard for managing my deployments and the, the telemetry I get. Yeah, exactly right. Um, consolidated dashboards in the cloud so you can actually see what's happening holistically across your whole environment. I think that's an important part of any tool really these days. Um, I think it's really interesting, the development of the market generally. And I was at RSA, as you were probably a few weeks ago, and it was really interesting to see the number of acronyms out there in this space is just like crazy. And when something is not working, they add another letter to the acronyms. And, you know, the latest one, of course, is XDR. Oh, now we realize that, well, we need to integrate SIEM into our solution. So EDR now becomes XDR because it has SIEM solution. And then that doesn't really work out for us. And so, oh, now we need uh, service orchestration over the top of that. Um, it's just amazing to me the number of solutions that keep on coming up. But really, if we prevent it to begin with, do we really need to have all this massive volume of data that's manned by SOC Center staff? And who's going to watch this when they go to bed? Uh, I mean, you're really running this 24-7? And are these guys really going to the restroom and all this sort of stuff. I mean, there's all these other factors people forget to to factor into the equation. And it's very, very expensive to, to run all these systems. So, you know, our focus is always on prevention as the best form of defense. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's, I mean, every preventative control you put in place just reduces the number of things you have to react to. And the manpower required to manage it, frankly. Right. Completely agree. 
Oh, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Darren. I really appreciate your coming on. Also, thank you to everyone listening. We hope you took a lot away from today's podcast. For further information on what we've talked about, please head on over to blackfog.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com.